When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Attention Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your Monday Rush Hour here on WABC Talk Radio 77. If you'd like to be part of today's program, all you have to do... Pick up your telephone, dial 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We have a lot to discuss later in the program. Mariana Pizzer, how do you pronounce her last name? Pizzeratola. She is the president of the New York City Organization of Public Service Retirees is going to join us. Uh, Retirees in New York got scammed. Mayor Adams has totally scammed them and their union bosses. They've taken away the health care plan that they were promised, and instead they're sticking them with one that's run by Aetna. We'll talk about that. But I've asked, and he graciously acquiesced, Mayor Rudolph Giuliani, America's mayor, to stay with us because there's so much in the news that concerns the Supreme Court, federal legislation, and this abortion uh, pill ruling that was dropped last week. Mr. Mayor, thank you for staying with us. Well, it's always a pleasure. Anytime you want, and I can do it, it's a, it's an honor. I think you're terrific. Thank you. And I think, well, obviously, <laughs> I know you're terrific. So let me ask you about this. We have a ruling by a district court in Texas, and yes, it's a single judge. All of a sudden now, I'm reading uh, comments in mainstream press. A single judge. Well, single judges have been issuing injunctions for as long as I can remember. And that doesn't bother the left as long as that single judge is one of them. No, but, I, you know, I really do think that, that, that they might as well put out a book which we call the New Criminal Justice System, which wouldn't be justice at all. And if it's a single judge you agree with, uh, uh, Republicans have to comply with it or go to jail. You know, it's a single judge that they're trying to put Bannon in jail based on his ruling. But then if you don't agree with the single judge, you say, well, it's only a single judge and I'm not going to listen to him. We've been and listening. To, we've been listening mm-hmm. to single judges since our American legal system began and people go to jail when they disobey a single judge. So I don't know what the heck they're talking about. I mean, Aha. And you have, of course, Mr. Ray swerved right into it. Now we have New York's Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez 
saying that the Biden administration should just ignore the judge. I was surprised that a Republican congresswoman, Nancy Mace, out of North Carolina, agrees with that. She said she was on CNN, and she echoed the idea that (sighs) this should just be ignored. And her rationale was the FDA approved the drug. Whether you agree with with his usage or not, that's not your decision. As a judge, that's the FDA's decision. So now a government agency of unelected bureaucrats, according to a U.S. congresswoman, has more power than a district judge. And one of the things that the judge cited in his ruling, if she had bothered to read it, was that this, this, uh, this drug never came under judicial review. 20 years, and he wondered why it took 20 years for there actually to be a judicial uh, uh, review of it. And one of the things he found is that the FDA didn't follow their own procedures when they, when they uh, okayed its use. So what do you make of that? We have now congresswomen saying, don't, don't, just ignore the law. It's a destruction of our system of justice for the purpose of accomplishing just their, go- their left-wing goals. Uh, if this were uh, the opposite, they, they would be uh, yelling and screaming at us. I mean, if it were an order from a single judge that you had to comply with Congress's subpoena, even though the subpoena is um, illegal because it wasn't signed properly, as the Bannon subpoena wasn't, uh, but you've got to follow it until it's reversed, otherwise you go to jail. That was fine. That, that's fine. But uh, here... Uh, you know, here you don't have to follow it because, well, anything that affects their view of abortion, you just have to do what they want. And I think Republicans get, I, I don't know this congresswoman. Actually, I do know her. I did meet her. Actually, I met her on January 6th, come to think of it. And um, she's probably afraid of the abortion back, backlash. You know, I think everyone views that Wisconsin uh, uh, election as abortion, abortion, abortion. Since it was a Republican landslide in Wisconsin. We, we got a supermajority in both houses of the legislature in Wisconsin, and then we lose the judge. Now, it just turns out that in addition to everything else, their candidate was much better than our candidate. Their candidate mm-hmm. spent $18 million, Our candidate spent $2 million. I'm sorry. You're going to lose most elections like that. It can be about abortion or about baseball, and you're going to lose it. So we're probably reading too much into it. But we have a lot of Republicans uh, right now, James, that are that are really frightened. Abortion is like intimidating. <laughs> it's intimidating them. Right. And I think I think she's intimidated by abortion. So she's basically going along with something that's lawless. Now, the Democrats are also and AOC is right in the middle of this uh, claiming she's going to press forward with imp- trying to impeach Justice Clarence. <laughs> God. They haven't done enough to that man. I mean, he happens to be he happens to be, he happens to be one of my biggest heroes in the, of, of the last fifty years. So you touch him, you got to deal with me, AOC. <laughs> now the rules, of course, they keep saying. First of all, they keep saying, "Well, he took donor money." Uh, as far as I know, the Supreme Court justices uh, don't have donors <laughs> right. because they're appointed. So. Right. He did not take anything from a donor. He went on vacation with a friend. Which is perfectly and, permissible. Right. I know and the, was I know, permissible. I know, the, I know these rules memorized. 
because I was obsessively compulsive about following them. And, and when I ran, see when I ran for president in 07, 08, I literally returned all my gifts to my, my friends at Christmas time. Even though the rule was there, I could get these gifts. As long as, as long as you have a personal friend and you are in the practice of exchanging gifts, and uh, you've been and you're, you've known each other outside the context of your job, which he, all this fits uh, the the, the ju- justice. You can you can take personal gifts. You can stay at their house. They can stay at your house. You can give them perfect. You can give them gifts. You don't have to list it. So one night when I was running in in oh seven, it was before we got into oh seven. I had a nightmare that they were gonna uh, they were gonna. The press was going to change that and make believe that I didn't report it and and that they were going to get me. I literally had a nightmare. And I had a party. I had a little Christmas party at my house with my best friends, and I returned all my gifts. And I, wow. I, I almost lost a few. I mean, a few of them said, you're going crazy. Why don't we send you to a psychiatrist? <laughs> you're nuts. One of them kept the gift that he gave me, and he gave it to me. Uh, he gave it to me after the election was over. It was a Kindle. And as a result of that Kindle, I now am a – for a person my age, I'm kind of facile with all this, uh, you know, stuff, iPad. and I'm facile enough to impress Trump. Nice. I, I, yeah. I would sit there with my, with, my, um, with my iPad, and I help write up the speeches, right? And he comes over once, and he says, you know how to use this stuff? I, said, <laughs> he said, I could call him Donald then. I said, Donald, I do. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. S-H-I-T about it. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> but, I mean, I know these rules. He, he actually went. He did what I did. He went and asked. They told me you don't have to list it. So he didn't list it. Now, I, I, and she wants an investigation of, of the justice. Now, the justice can't do this because they're so, you know, they're, they, have to, they can, almost can't respond. But I would make it an offer on, on his behalf. I would say he'd be willing to do an, have an investigation. As soon as we investigate you, creep. For all the all the stuff that you took for the Metropolitan Gala, which now is over thirty million, and uh, how about the jewelry? Did you return it all? And the clothes? Uh, actually, you were seen wearing one of those a second time. Now that's a real violation. How about we get you kicked out first, and then we'll take a look at Justice Thomas? But until then, shut your mouth. Love it. Now, Alvin Bragg, New York City. Republicans are going to hold a hearing at the Javits Center on victims of violent crime in Manhattan. That's supposed to be on April 17th at the Javits uh, Center in Manhattan. But let me ask you this. There is a lot of back and forth going on between the House of Representatives uh, and and uh, Bragg's office because the House wants to have an investigation. They want to know, why are you doing this? Prosecution. Bragg is saying that this will this this interferes with his sovereignty, with the sovereignty of the prosecutor's office. Now, as a former prosecutor, and you were you you've prosecuted, and and that's in fact how you made that's how you came to fame as a prosecutor. What are we to think of all of this? If if our prosecutors sovereign from having the federal government look at their actions? Or should they be sovereign? Or is the House within its purview to say, hey, what are you doing? This looks like 
a political prosecution. Well, I don't know. If the House can look into the president of the United States and what he does, whatever a prosecutor does can't be quite as important as that. And the reality is this is a prosecutor who doesn't seem to mind talking about the case since the leaks in this case have been horrendous, all of which, by the way, are criminal conduct that nobody has bothered to investigate. It's a crime to leak grand jury material. So, I mean, if he likes to talk and have his staff talk to the press about it, how can he complain about talking to Congress about it? No, the answer is uh, there's no special immunity for prosecutors. Congress has a perfect right to ask questions. They do supply, supply him money, by the way, through a number mm-hmm. of federal – the DA's office in Manhattan probably is one of the biggest recipients of federal money because when I was U.S. attorney, I was aware of all of it. And uh, so they have a perfect right to see how their money is being spent. Could, could it turn into a Congress trying to intimidate a Congress trying to – sure. But uh, that, that that's not there yet. They haven't. This is the first thing they've asked, and it's a legitimate question. And uh, it's not as if they're the only ones who think that this prosecution is questionable. That, that's an understatement, right? We, we're, the country's right. Di- divided over this. So they're not like making up a problem. They're just asking questions about a problem that more than half of Americans want the answer to. So I, I think he's really whistling in the wind uh, complaining about it. Particularly when they leak like a sieve, right? Right. I mean, I, 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 I know everything about – I remember when I was representing Trump and the press would say, the Mueller people don't leak. <laughs> I would say, well, then how come I know about the whole case? Exactly. Uh, I don't have a spy in the grand jury. Where do I get it? I get it from the newspapers. Who do you think has the information that gives it to the newspapers? The Mueller, the Mueller people leaked like crazy. And it was a benefit to us because we knew the whole case. I mean, it was almost their lack of discipline and their desire, if they couldn't convict him some other way, to convict him in the press. Now, let me ask you one last question, and I thank you so much for your time. We have seen over the past few years FBI agents lying to the FISA court. Nothing ever happens. We've seen James Comey stand up and tell us, yeah, well, we know Hillary Clinton broke the law, but she didn't really mean to, so let her go, and I'm paraphrasing that case. We've seen Republicans, Paul Manafort, and others, and I'm not saying guilty or not guilty, I'm just saying we've seen them go to jail on what some people think are frivolous matters. Mm -hmm. Yet at the same time, we see uh, this, this evidence, and you presented better than I think anyone else in the country about what Joe Biden and his family have done, nothing happens. We never have answers to things that Republicans want to know for all the way back to from Whitewater up to Benghazi to the Clinton Foundation, that things are in the public sphere thanks to investigative journalists that never get looked at. Is this country in danger of having the respect for law a rule of law totally diminished in our in our society. I sure do think so, James. I think it's. I think we're almost past uh, past the tipping point. Um, I think it's happened. I mean, I think it would be hard to maintain an argument that we're a country where justice is equal for everyone. I think we'd have to say if we were trying to fairly describe our justice system 
that there's one system for high-level entitled Democrats and one system for Republicans, particularly the closer they are to Trump. And uh, in one case, uh, people are allowed to do almost anything they want and are never held to account. And in the other, people are prosecuted either for minor things that are exaggerated or even worse than that, for things they make up. I mean, they made up Russian collusion. They paid for it. Right? They made it up completely. There was no, not a stitch of truth to it. So, yeah, we have two systems of justice, which means we, one of the great American principles that, that makes us, uh, you know, this unusual country is destroyed, which is equal justice under the law. You can't have that many exceptions to it and still have it. So that's got to be fixed. We, we don't have to stop it. We have to change it now when we get in office. Wow. Thank you so much, you, America's man, Rudolph Giuliani. Thank you. Always, always learn something from this man, ladies and gentlemen. He's just totally amazing, isn't he? James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley, with you here on WABC. Coming back, 800-848-WABC's number to call. Don't go away. Hour is on the air. Attention, Ditto Heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Rush on the Red Apple Podcast Network. On this day in music, 1986, Linda Creed passed away. Linda Creed, an amazing American songwriter and lyricist. She died of breast cancer at the tender age of 37. She and Tom Bell, the genius Tom Bell, Wrote hits like You Are Everything, Bet You By Golly Wow, and this one, You Make Me Feel, brand new for the stylistics. She had a 10-year battle, 11-year battle with breast cancer, and through it all, she kept working. And after her death, the Linda Creed Foundation uh, kept going, and I hope it's still in existence today. She also recorded a song with Whitney Houston that has become very familiar. You know that song. The greatest love of all. This was also the day that Paul McCartney ticked off John Lennon by announcing that the Beatles had broken up. And uh, John was so ticked off, he pretty much said, no, he... We didn't break up. We fired him. Or I fired him. Yikes. Peter Frampton fans, that album, his album, Frampton Comes Alive, went to number one back in, uh, what was it, 1970? I can't believe it. 1976. Yeah. Marvin Gaye, I Heard It Through the Grapevine, was first recorded by, believe it or not, The Miracles and Gladys Knight and the Pips. But this is when Marvin Gaye, this day, recorded his version of I Heard It Through the Grapevine. Elton John, there's so much going on. Elton John. Yay, Marvin. Released his 
self-titled studio album, Elton John, which included your song, which is still one of the iconic songs in America. All that and more on this day in music history. Sir Elton John. Let's get to the telephone, shall we? Kathleen in Jersey City. How are you, Kathleen? Welcome. How are you this afternoon? Good, Bo. How are you doing? I, just I am called. doing well. I, I love the show, but I just have to say, Saturday I was listening, and I thought it was a little insensitive, the story about the dog that's being abused by the oh. 19-year-old girl. And you kind of, uh, that gentleman that you were with kind of made like light of it. It's, it's Which no one? You mean Scott or Avery? Scott or Avery? Uh, the man of love or something. Oh, yeah, love man. That's Avery. Love the man. one that said that the yeah. dog liked it? The one that said that the dog really liked it and him? And how, you know, they sign. It, it went on and on. It, was, it, it went on too long. First of all, it's a very sensitive subject because they're no different than children. They can't speak mm-hmm. up for themselves. And I have on. two rescue dogs that uh, one was very abused but has really come to come around which well number one god bless you for taking in rescue dogs and anybody that deals with rescue animals how wonderful you are because these animals many of us and i am an animal lover i don't own have pets right now but i mean and uh, to my way they have souls you know they, they are living beings and and god bless you for helping to protect them but i gotta just ask you this and I'm, I'm not trying to make light of it but uh, the dogs were look this was a horrible story to begin with i mean yeah you gotta admit but it, i'm trying to ask you a very difficult question here are, you, are we from the dog's point of view do you think that the dog really felt abused kathleen no they never do you could beat them and they still think you love them so no, but it's just that it's so sad to hear that. I mean, that's there's enough. It's sad because it's so perverted. It is who does this, and apparently she had more than one dog. Isn't that right, Scott? Did she have? Uh, there were two dogs. They didn't talk about the other one as to whether or not it was involved in the altercation. Uh, yeah, altercation. Hmm. Well, Kathleen, look, I'm I'm sorry we appear to be a little bit insensitive. Um, yeah, I'll be doggone that kind of thing. Just you know, but it's not a story that we hear very often. You want to hear really something that will churn your stomach? I don't know whether you do or not, Kath, Kathleen. And I'm talking about real abuse. Have you seen this video of the Dalai Lama that is in social that is all over the place today? You know what I'm talking about, Kathleen? Yes. With the little nine-year-old boy? With the nine-year-old boy asking the boy to suck his tongue. And he's, like, kissing this boy in the mouth. And, oh, and this is just, I just, I, what do you make of I that, Kathleen? I, I thought that was, like, he, I mean, he's no different than anyone else. Why do these people get away with it? He should go, they should have handcuffed him and hauled him off. Well, he's over now. 
so much. But then there's so much of these people that hide behind their big name and how loving they are and they help people out. And a lot of the times it's not that case. Well, thank you for the call, my darling. Hope you, you continue Bob. to listen. Thank you. James Golden, AK Snow, we're coming back. WABC Talk Radio 77. Don't go away. We are coming back. Let's talk about New York's retirees who have gotten totally hosed. We're going to talk about that when we get back. And your calls, 800-848-WABC. Right here. Crown jewel of American radio, Doobie Brothers. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Janet brings us back with Q-Tip. And Q-Tip has a birthday today. Got till it's gone. And got till it's gone is a perfect lead in. For many city retirees who had something that's now gone. Thank you, Mayor Adams. To discuss it, the president of New York City Organization of Public Service Retirees, Mariana Pizzatola. How are you, Mariana? I'm great. How are you? I am very well. I saw a video of you discussing <laughs> what we did on this show here. A few weeks ago, you know, and it's interesting because I was like, well, maybe no one heard that because it was because uh, I thought that that city workers would just be retirees would there were 250,000 retirees yeah. and yeah. you guys just got hosed by the mayor and by some of your own fellow union. We did. We did. Well, it's not over yet. I'm not giving up. We're not. This isn't over. We're taking it to the streets. <laughs> okay, let's explain to people what happened here. You had your own health care plan under Medicare that was promised you part of your negotiations. You got mm-hmm. you all, all of the unions that that these two hundred and fifty thousand, a quarter of a million union members, you negotiated this with the city. This was promised you as part of your retirement package. Along yeah. comes Mayor Adams. Along comes, and he says, "Oh, you know what? I think we can save some money if we take it away from you and just put you on Medicare Advantage." By the way, uh, it wasn't long ago that a federal investigation, I think, it was last year, concluded that tens of thousands of people in Medicare Advantage plans were denied the coverage that they should have gotten. So they took your plan away, or they're taking it, they voted on it, and sticking you in Medicare Advantage, whether you like it or not, even though this was promised to you as part of your negotiated package, and you're just supposed to go away and say, okay. Right, that's what they expected. I don't think they ever thought we'd be able to organize uh, retirees from around the country in New York in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. I have a 102-year-old retiree and get them to start making phone calls and emailing and fighting to protect themselves because no one's looking to protect us. Yeah, we took them by surprise. (laughs) 
this is all about cost. This is all about money. How about the promises? How about good faith promises that were made? Exactly. How about the promises that were made to you as part of a condition of your employment? Well, that was the hardest problem when we first first learned this in 21 was we were told that your unions did this and we're like, oh, heck no, they would never privatize a public health benefit or take away a retiree's benefit. We earned that. We took years of zero wages and reduced benefits and made less than our private counterparts in order to have health benefits. How the heck would you, are you telling me that my own union did this? And sure enough, holy cow, Bo, that's exactly what happened. Our unions sold off our retiree health care benefits, which affects a current retiree and, and future retirees. This is their futures. If they don't step up and start arguing against this, this is what's going to happen to them. And they actually did it to fund themselves. This is what really got us angry, is that this started with the teachers' union saying that they didn't have a contract under Bloomberg for nine years. De Blasio comes along and he makes this negotiation. This is the first time I've ever seen this. And I have a labor relations uh, degree. I would never have thought that this would have ever been condoned. But this was the first year a union partially funded a contract on the backs of other labor. So the teacher's contract was partially funded by them agreeing in the 14 contract to give $1 billion from the health fund to fund collective bargaining and then committing the Municipal Labor Committee, which is the umbrella organization of all the city's unions, agreeing also to give uh, recurring health care savings in the future. And this was very frustrating because none of the other unions were really ever could ever explain to us why that happened. Maybe they were told a different story, but what they were told was, is if you don't do this, then the teachers aren't going to get their raises. But hey, if you go along with it, we'll each give you a little bit of money for all of your welfare funds out of the stabilization fund. What is that fund? The stabilization fund is what pays the difference between what the city is supposed to pay for our health care and the plan that most of the employees like, GHI, Comprehensive Benefit Plan, the stabilization fund pays that difference in premium. So if the fund is depleted, then they would have to pay premium out of their own pocket. They didn't want to do that. So what what I have Michael Mulgrew actually on a video, which I, I posted up the other day, basically saying, well, the city said to us, if you give us back that supplemental plan, that 20% plan of those retirees, the money we would have spent on them, we'll give to you for your welfare funds. Holy cow. Oh. That's a quid pro quo to me. And, and we've heard Michael... Mulgrew of the United Federation of Teachers say it, DC 37's Henry Garrido say it, and I even have Harry Nespoli saying it. Why would now, you I don't do know that who... to your most vulnerable population? Right. Now, these are all union heads, correct? These are all union presidents of some of the largest unions in the city, of which we were. We built these unions. And you'll always hear me say, we built these unions, we built this city, and after 9-11, we rebuilt this city. And this is the way that they treat you. They make promises to you. They take, and why would Mayor Adams go along with this? He just is looking at you people as just numbers, your numbers, and he can save a few dollars, he thinks, by doing this. Never mind the real impact it has to your lives as retirees. You know, and this, by the way, Mariana, I have been struggling with a story that I read the other day about um, 90, a 94-year-old woman who was, has dementia and in hospice and thrown mm-hmm. out of her, thrown out of the facility that she lives in because Medicaid won't pay for it anymore. Oh, the Medicaid, right. I read that. 
Yeah, this is yeah, that will happen. We, Bo, we have a similar situation. We have retirees that live in um, in uh, CCRCs, continuing care residential communities. These are single seniors mostly that that chose their to, to plan their end of life with dignity. So you go in as an independent or assisted living, and you can transition to memory care or nursing care as needed. And someone takes care of you through your end of life. You also sign an agreement that you agree to maintain your traditional Medicare and your supplement, which is what we've had. So if you don't have that, for example, this Aetna Medicare Advantage plan the city's trying to force down our throat, these plans are not accepted by these communities. So what's going to happen to these seniors that are 70s, 80s, 90s, 100 years old living in these communities today? They will either be forced to move out of their residential community or they will end up having to bear the burden of the full cost of health insurance that their small pensions can't afford. Why would you do that to somebody? This is immoral. It absolutely is. It's 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 inhumane. What are you going to what are you guys going to do about it? Are you having a rally tomorrow, correct? We are. Come join us. We're going to be meeting by city hall by noon. Um we're asking everyone to come out and uh rally for our health care active workers who are not happy that their unions did this as well as retirees asking them to come and join us and then there is a stated uh, city council meeting which i don't know if they're going to let us in but the speaker of the council has went on the record a week ago or so and said that she was not going to allow our proposed legislation that would require the city to offer us a medigap plan as a choice because what they did was they eliminated all of our health care choices to force us into this plan, this Medicare Advantage plan, because it's funded by the federal government. They're basically privatizing Medicare. So the unions want that money, and they're okay with dumping us, dumping us off all of our plans, forcing us into this one. So we told everyone, let's come out. You know, we've had our bill sitting in the legislative office since December. The speaker's not allowing it to move. She keeps saying it's preempted by the Taylor Law, which is a bunch of horse hockey, because we're not subject to the Taylor Law. That law is for active union members uh, who are represented by their unions. I am not one of those people. My 250,000 are not those people. So that is crazy that they're saying, sorry, we can't pass your bill. It's just sitting there with no number. So we're going to go and we're going to ask the council to please allow our, our bill to be issued a bill number and let's take this to the floor. This is where this needs to be. If you really want to protect retirees, Now's the time to do it. And what they keep telling me is, well, you wanted to litigate, so you go litigate and come back to me when it's broken. No, you're pushing me to now fight a legal battle one more time with people on small pensions. We're funding our own litigation. When are you going to stand up for me? The mayor nor the speaker have given us any time. We've been asking for meetings since this thing started. And that's not right. It's just not right. You know, well, there's that old saying, if you're not, don't have a seat at the table, then you must be on the menu. Mm, well, on the menu, how, can people, how can people support what you're doing? And let me just say one more thing to you. I just, I'm in stunned disbelief that your own unions would do this to you. I'm not a big union guy, okay? But one thing that I just find it despicable that once you retire and once you're off the book, you're being treated like trash by this mayor and by your own current union bosses who don't seem to care that that promises were made to you. They have right. no regard for keeping their word, which to me is just I don't I don't I can't even wrap my arms around that. How do you do this to people? Uh, how can people know, reach have- you? 
They can reach us on our website, which is www.nycretirees.org. Um, we have a Facebook page by the same name, but our website, you can get in touch with us by email. You can sign up for our newsletter. You can make a donation to our legal campaign. Um, and we do have a few unions, I'll be honest with you, that are supporting us because they don't like this. One of the things that we've learned early on was this municipal labor committee, this umbrella group, it's kind of like a mafia. Like once you're in, you can't get out and it has a weighted voting structure. So so the largest unions, United Federation of Teachers and DC 37, because they have so many members, they control the vote. They have one vote for every 250 members. So even if the other 100 unions don't like what those two do, they're pretty much stuck with it because of this weighted vote that they never changed since this organization was founded in 1966. So there are a few unions, I'll be completely honest with you, that are supporting us, and they will be there tomorrow. Um, so it's not everybody, but unfortunately, the two largest unions in the city were totally okay with that, uh, sadly. Well, you come back know. You come back on this show. You tell us how everything going. We're going to stand with you. Awesome. And so this I show, we're going to stand with you. <laughs> this is just wrong. I, it's wrong. It is. It's people, you know, and no matter, this is what we've always said. It's people, the speaker uses hashtag people over everything. Well, damn it, this is people over everything. People over politics. This is about a human right. This isn't, this isn't about left, right, whatever. This is about people. And if you really care about people, then do the right thing and stop making me bring out 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 year old people on a street corner every other month to fight to protect what we already earned. So thank, thank you. you for hearing that because this is just crazy. Thank you. We got to head to a break. Thank you so much. We'll be back in touch. James Golden, AK Stern, here with you on WABC, coming back right after this. This is The Rush Hour with Bose Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And here we go, ladies and gentlemen, on WABC time for Rapid Phones. That means get right to your point. We're going to try to get as many phone calls in as we can. We will start. In Stanhope with Andrew. How are you, Andrew? Hello, Andrew. Well, Andrew, it's been lovely speaking with you. Thank you for being with us today. Bert in the Bronx, you're up next. Yes, I'm here. Uh, the Mayor Eric Adams is suing the victim rather than the criminal. He's suing Hyundai and Kia because... They, when somebody breaks into the car, they're able to remove the center part near the wheel, and they're able to jumpstart it. And so he's taken a suit against Hyundai and Kia, and they are the victims, and he's suing them. Now, this is a really interesting case, because a lot of Hondas and Kia, it is a known weakness, and people have been telling other folks how to break into these cars on the Internet, and it has produced a rash of thefts. And what the argument is, these companies are not using the most advanced technology to keep people from doing this. And But you're right. So instead of the criminals, they're going after the car manufacturers. Interesting to see how that one turns out. Jimmy in Long Island, you're up next on WABC. How are you? Hey, James. I got a little sidetracked because I also happen to be a New York City retiree, but that's not why I called. I called you a few months back in reference to the Supreme Court when they had the leak about the abortion. Well, yep. now that they're all over Clarence Thomas, why is nobody bringing up 
the leak that took place, which I believe had to be a liberal judge because um, if it, you know, if it was a, a, a conservative judge, I think the Dems would have been all over having that person removed. So is anything going on with the so-called no, investigation? No, and you are so prescient, my friend. No, now that that's over with, they, this is another one where they say, just like, by the way, this manifesto from the transgender mass murder at the Christian school, it's supposed to all be forgotten. No, we're supposed to forget that there was a leak at the Supreme Court. Absolutely great point that you made, Jimmy. Appreciate it. Let's go to John in Queens. Johns, how are you, John? Great. Good afternoon, Bo. Thanks for taking my call. Listen, real quick, uh, I think it's a disgrace with the Blasi, I mean, what uh, Adams is doing to the city retirees. It's a, no wonder you can't get any good cops, firemen, teachers, anybody to work for the city. They screw you when you come in. They screw you when you go out. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Bob in New Jersey, you're on Rapid Phones. How are you this afternoon, Bob? Hey, Bo, thanks for taking my phone call. I got a great way Mayor uh, Adams saves some money. How about not supporting those illegal aliens that he's taking in by the dozen? Well, it's funny that you should mention that. Do you know that Mayor Adams and his administration just filed for federal relief with four days to spare? We just learned today. So they're actually asking the feds to help out with this. But that is definitely not something that has been their priority. It is a great point that you raise. Let's go to George in Rockland County. How are you, George? I'm good. Okay. Regarding the uh, retiree, the theft of the retiree benefits, I have a a good solution there, okay? Uh, You know, tomorrow when they meet, they should announce that all the retirees, their family, their friends will all go and vote next election for Republican. Republican, dump the Democrat, okay? I believe the city council all are being a vote, uh, you know, are running now. So they all come and tell the Democrats, next election, we are going for Republican. That would be amazing. Let us see what this happened. But I like what you said because you called it a theft of their benefits. And that is exactly what has happened to New York City retirees. You were promised one thing, Mayor Adams and some of your own union current honchos have stolen it from you under the guise that they need to save money. And it is disgraceful and it is immoral. Thank you. Stan in Key West, Florida, you're up next. How are you, Stan? No, it's Dan, but that's okay. So basically a a fairly negotiated contract with the city is being um, put aside, but the money is being put to illegal aliens. And that's a criminal act with the city. How do you like that? It's amazing, isn't it? And this comes to whether you are a real citizen or a second-class citizen in your own country. The mayor and some of these union heads will not honor the promises that were made in good faith to city workers, and yet they will lavish funding on those in this country illegally. Yeah, put that in your pipe. Well, that's it for today. May God bless and protect each and every single one of you and your families. God willing, we'll be back tomorrow at 4 p.m. Thank you for being here today. Gratitude and love. See you then. Bye. Bye.